Welcome everyone to another jam session. It's our brand new mix of presentations, interviews, and webinars. They're hosted by us at Rock Content, and we bring the top and the best marketers and innovators in the marketing, right? So, and if you want to share anything, if you want to comment, please use the hashtag jam session. Today, I'm bringing a very special guest. So welcome, Pam. It's Pam Didner. Great to have you here with us. And she's definitely one of those top marketing innovators. She's the author of two, actually three books, right? Three books already. She's a, she trains coaches and provides consultancy to a lot of companies, big brands, professionals. And she has a lot to tell us, especially about global content marketing. Hey, Pen, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful <laughs> to talk to you. Awesome, awesome. I'm, ex I'm excited. Yes, it's wonderful. I, I've only heard great things about you. So Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much. Just yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. All right? He doesn't, uh, come on. I, I trust him. I trust that he knows what he's talking about. So let's start. One thing. Uh, global marketing, right? Yes. Your first book's called Global Content Marketing. Right. Right? Yes. From 2014. And... And you are a global marketer. Where did that come from? Like, where, how, how did you decide to, to follow this path? You know, talk about the global side of marketing things. You know, that has a lot to do with my experience. I actually worked for a global company called Intel for about uh, 19 years. Wow. And um, my role has always been global. And Intel is a global enterprise. And um, it actually has... Um, marketing division and uh, also the sales division in many, many different countries. And from the get-go, given that my role is always in the headquarters and I have been work I've been working very, very closely actually with a different regions and we call a different continent, you know, uh, regions and also country as country. So I have to work with a different continent, which is different regions and also different country. And uh, given that um, a lot of the marketing that we do, um, not just for the US, and we have to take into account what the other countries and the local elements and local flavors into account. And so when we create our, when we created our global marketing plan, it has to be, um, there is a global flavor. There also needs to be a local consideration that we may have to take into account. And I was not like literally making a choice in terms of to be a global marketer. It uh, just happened that my role at that time uh, is global. And I had an opportunity to work very closely with the uh, uh, regions and also with countries. So that's basically, it was very much uh, uh, driven by a role I was in or multiple roles I was in at that time. And uh, given that uh, I was, uh, fortunate enough to work with a global company. And that gives me an opportunity to actually um, gain some insight and also experience. And I imagine the, the, I mean, the size of that challenge, right? I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're not Intel at Frog Content, but we're expanding <laughs> internationally this, this year. Very and nice. I tell, yeah, and I can tell you it's hard. I mean, yeah, it's, it is very hard. It is very hard. And I think but, the hardest part actually comes from uh, the process uh, and also communication. Okay. And when people talking about global content marketing, it's really 
from my perspective, is not necessary. Oh, you know, what kind of beautiful content we should create or what kind of video we should create. From my perspective, that's very, very important. And um, But I'm talking on the client side right now that the most important thing is you need to actually have a collaboration and communication process that's set up to initiate that conversation among different um, stakeholders within the company. To me, that's the most important thing. So if you want to do anything global, it's the communication and collaboration that needs to be set up upfront to drive that conversation moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, like, for example, if I'm, Right now, I'm, if I'm doing only a local marketing strategy, acting mm -hmm. local, and then I, I, I want to expand and go global, you think that communication is the most important thing? What else is like defining for a good global marketing strategy? Good communication you know, is one. that's actually a very good question. Can I share my screen if that's okay with you? Yeah, no, sure. Yes, go ahead. So there are a couple of things I actually want to share with everybody, and I think it's better that you can see a couple of slides I put together. Uh, let me see. Am I sharing my screen? Uh, yes. Which one? Okay, got You're it. You're sharing all of it. All, a lot of I'm, windows. I'm seeing myself. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let me uh, do a presentation. One second. Bear with me. Okay, everybody. If I can get to my slide. Okay. One second. No problem. Okay. Who should I have done this earlier? All right. Can you see the slide? Uh, yes, but I can see the presentation mode. So I can see the slide, oh, no. the glo global and internal sense. Yeah, but exactly. Can, so but I can see the next about, slide as well. Right. So this is, oh, you can see the next slide. Yeah, so as, as a presenter. So they, is that a multi-Python reference? No, I'm going to do this. Is it better this way? Yeah, now no, 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 it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. So what when you are thinking about global content marketing, from my perspective, especially within enterprise or any company scaling doing that, you really have two factors you have to worry about. One is on the headquarters, right? So for uh, raw content, you are based in Brazil, so that's the headquarter but you are expanded to a US for any company that you have to explain to a different countries, it's really the headquarters and the local or regions that need to work together. So you need to work together to actually plan and execute your content marketing. Therefore, the middle part of like working together from my perspective is very important. So in addition to that, there's a couple of things I want to share with you. It's it just um, like you indicated, what other uh, factors are very, very important. And I'm not going to go this in detail. I'm not giving a, a workshop or the session, but for everybody to think about, you know, in addition to content, that content production and how to translate, how to localize your content. But before you even get there, a team needs to get together to determine what you want to accomplish as a team, right? And then you have to determine, obviously you're creating content for somebody. Right. So you have to determine your buyer's persona. Maybe, you know, in Brazil and in, in the US, the people that you go after might be totally different segments. Right. So between the two teams, you need to reach some sort of consensus and agreement in terms of what the personas that you want to reach. 
then you can determine how you want to scale the content. If the personas are the same, great. You can probably do, uh, it's probably easier to do the translation. But the persona is very different, then the customization probably have to play a, bit, uh, a, a bigger role. And another thing before you can create the content is editorial plan, right? There's a lot of content that probably will be generated by the headquarter. But does that make sense for the US, for example? So the team needs to talk about, hey, what is our editorial? What should that look like? And another thing from my perspective, especially from company's perspective, what can we say about our company? So this is a product specific type of content. You know, what can, whatever we are selling to the uh, Brazil or whatever we are selling to the US, can we say exactly the same thing? What are some of the talking points? So you need to actually reach some sort of agreement on that as well. And of course, like the way to reach out to people, the marketing channel in Brazil might be a little bit different than the marketing channel you want to use in the US or Canada. So you have to talk about marketing channel, then of course the budget and everything else. So these are just the quick slides I want to share with you so you can get a sense of it. In addition to the content that you want to create, what are some of the prerequisites? What are some of the elements that you have to take into account before you can get to the point to create content? Is that helpful? It is, it's totally. And then, then it's something that always comes to my mind. What's, is there a way to understand any, the, the, the particularities of, uh, of a different market? Is there a right way? Do you have to hire someone to do research for you? Can you do it yourself? Because is that what we say, right? It's basically yeah. localization is not translation. Right. Like, localization is not translation. I do exactly. agree with you. I mean, translation is part of localization. To me, that's a subcategory of the localization, but it's not another way around. And um, um, I do agree that the research part of it is very, very important. And um, it also depending on um, how your company is structured. Mm -hmm. And many small companies, they probably can't afford to hire a full-time person on the ground initially when they get started. So if that's the case, you probably have to have an agency help. And on some company, they have a budget. They can hire full-time employees on the ground. If that's the case, then you can leverage that person and help you to do research or help you to understand the market so, uh, much better. So from my perspective, understand the local is kind of important, but again, what is your business model when you, uh, when you decided to um, um, tackle that country? Tackle is probably not the right word, but if you decided to you know, embrace or uh, do business with that country. So. Got it. And, and speaking of which, you've worked for, like, for Intel, a huge company for a long time, is there, and of course you're a consultant, so you've probably, you've, you've worked with a lot of different companies. Is there a right way to do, it in to do it in terms of structuring the team or no? There are many different ways, but there are some do's and don'ts, common mistakes. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> the thing about content marketing, and uh, this is the reality, I want to tell everybody this, if you are listening. Every company does content marketing differently. They don't follow the same model. Nobody does. <laughs> that has a lot to do with organizational structure. That has a lot to do with uh, resources and budget. 
that has a lot to do with the business priority. And that has also a lot to do with the management preferences, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of factors placed into in terms of how content marketing is done with an organization. A lot of times, some of the content are generated, again, I'm talking on the client side, not on the agency sure. side. I want yeah. to make sure everybody understands. So a lot of time, the content is actually being created on the business units and also on the product marketing team in some company. Mm -hmm. But in some company, um, they actually have a content marketing team that resides within marketing organization. So like because of that, you, I mean, everybody does content differently. That has a lot to do with the roles and responsibility and also the organizational structure, right? Because everybody's organizational structure, resource allocation, and also the, the, the internal team's capability and talent, everybody's different. Therefore, everybody does content marketing or structure the content marketing a little bit differently. And there's no right or wrong answer in terms of how you should structure your team. Really, there's mm -hmm. no right or okay. wrong answer. Whatever works the best for you. The only thing that you have to uh, understand or things that is common uh, across uh, different companies is you need to make sure you collaborate and you communicate. That's the most important thing. The problem is many companies, they work in silos. Right, so I create content, then I just create content, I got my white paper done, so I hand it over to somebody and they take it from there, right? But, but before you even create that white paper, it's actually kind of important to think about it in terms of what are the other contents that other people will create? What okay. are the future content you will create? So you actually have a conversation, make sure there's no duplication make sure everybody is aware of what you are doing so they can leverage your content also effectively. So my take on this is everybody does the content a little bit differently uh, depending on the organizational structure, depending on management preference, depending on the budget and allocation. But one thing stays common is collaboration and also communication. You need to make sure that happens to avoid any kind of silos. Got it. And also to keep consistency, right? That's another thing. I 100% agree with you. And uh, it's the consistency. Sometimes it's the look and feel. Sometimes it's how you say things. And sometimes it's the talking point. Yes, the certain consistency needs to reflect it in the content that you create. Yeah, here, here at Rock, we're always saying, like, like, we need some better branding guidelines, right? Because, like mm -hmm. you said, the look and feel, the, the voice, etc. Yeah. So, okay, one small reminder for everyone who's watching, we're taking questions at any time, just type into the box to my right, I don't know if it's my right or to my left, but type in here, we are answering them. And we just talked a little bit about the, the, the marketing department, right? Yeah. And it's like a lot of different, like, okay, approaches, but collaboration is essential. So going a little more specific, if I, what's your, like your advice, for someone who wants to be like a global marketer in terms of skills, learning, I don't know, mindset. Yeah, you know, that's actually kind of interesting. I didn't choose that role myself and I was kind of put in that role and uh, things happened. So I was not intentionally looking for that specific job. However, if you are actually 
eventually want to be a global marketer or working for a, a, a global enterprise. I think there are a couple things or the skill set that you need is be able to think strategically and, and be able to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that apply to basically any kind of digital marketing functions that you have at this time. And um, so when I was thinking about, to be honest with you, in terms of um, that the different skill set that you need to have is ability to communicate uh, what you need to do and what you want other people to do. That's use content marketing as an example. If you are a content marketer, right? And then you create a piece of white paper. That's fine. That's your job. You've been doing that and you are very, very good at it. But when I say be able to connect the dots and be able be able to communicate is can you actually visualize it, how this piece of content will be used at different marketing channel. For example, if your company does email marketing, can you envision this as a part of email marketing? Can you also envision what is the copy that needs to be written as a part of email marketing? If this needs to be used and as a part of social media communication, what can you envision in terms of what the copy will be? And also what are maybe a different type of uh, assets that you can create to help the social media team to actually promote this white paper much better. Mm-hmm. So when, when I'm thinking in terms of digital marketer moving forward, you can't just do your job anymore. Of, of course, you need to do yeah. your job. <laughs> but you need to think it through in terms of the piece of content that you create, how would that be displayed mm-hmm. on the different channels? Does that make sense? So it's, it's the, it's the skill set, not just to do your job and also a skill set needs to communicate well in terms of how the stuff that you create will be used. To me, that's very, very important. If you Mm -hmm. want to be a global marketer, you have to work with the different regions. And so the ability to communicate and understand the region's needs and also what you can do for them, critical. Yes, it's, and of course, and you probably need to speak more than one language or, is that necessary? English at least. Yes, you know, to be able to speak multiple languages, and I know that outside the US, <laughs> probably everybody can speak multiple languages. And um, do you need to speak another language? From my perspective, it's probably not necessary. And but you need to be very open minded in terms yeah. of, you know, the people that don't speak English well. And uh, a lot of time, they are making a lot of effort to communicate with you using the English, which is not your native language. Be very patient, be very open-minded in terms of what they said. And uh, I ran into that situation from time to time uh, when I was working for um, the, in the corporate, right? And uh, because I deal with many countries and uh, the marketing team on the ground, if they don't speak in English very well, usually what I do is they will say something, I will paraphrase it. I would say, okay, I want to make sure I understand what you said. I think this is what you said. And I will uh-huh. paraphrase the whole sentences to him or her to make sure that I got it right. That's the first. Second thing is, like I said, to ensure the communication. If it's very hard to communicate because somebody doesn't speak English very well, writing, right? Write it right. down, make sure everybody's on the same page. <laughs> so back to communication right and what, what you say, what you said is like i thought it was that was very interesting before when you mentioned hey 
when you create a content, you have to think on how people are going to use it. So what, what's yeah. coming out of it and how other people are going to collaborate with it, how other people are going to use it again. Right. Well, anyway, because it's something that I, I, I always tell people, it's the biggest confusion that people have is the content and the format. Right, because the, and, uh, format? The format, yeah, the format, yes, because format. Okay. Content yeah, and format. yeah, the format, the format is how you, you deliver the content, but the content itself is the essence, right? The knowledge. Yes. So like, like your example, right? A white paper, it's a white paper is the format, the, 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 the subject or the, the knowledge in there is the content. And if yeah. you have that in mind, it makes so much easier for you to go and think, Hey, how does that turn into a social media post? Or at least how does that, how can I help someone turn that into a social media post and things like this. And the way you put it, I think was really, really good. Really, really good. Yes. And okay. And then you wrote a blue book about global content marketing. We saw a few things about it, but it was 2014, right? 2014. Yeah, I did. Back, I wrote my yeah. first book in 2014. Yeah. So back, back then, was it like more of a niche thing or, the, or, it was something like, hey, I don't know, a lot of people need to know about this. Let me write a book. You know, I was doing, uh, so when I decided to write a book, it's not like I want to write something that nobody has written before. And the content marketing is already fairly, the term has been around actually during that time. Yeah. And uh, everybody has been creating content, you know, since the, the, the inception of the, I guess, the print. So, um, but nobody actually write in terms of global content marketing. So I define kind of like a global content marketing from uh, the agent, uh, from client's perspective in terms of how to scale the content across the regions. So I was not talking about what kind of content is popular globally. I'm not talking about that. I was, that book is really focused on collaboration and communications, say between the headquarters and the region. Yes, it is a niche. So at that time, first of all, nobody talked about it. And the second thing is it more applies to either enterprises or any uh, companies that are thinking about going to a different country to sell their products. So the market itself is not very, very big, but they are, um, I would say a group of people uh, who are interested in terms of how to do that. Got it. Yeah. Well, if you have your right audience, that's okay. Uh, yeah, we have a, right. So. Yeah, right. Uh, we have a question here. It's not clear right. to me, but I, I will adjust it because they're asking you, what's your take on third person versus first person? First person. Great I question. Think, Great question. Yeah, so here yeah. is my take on the third person and first person. So you mentioned about uh, format. The yeah. format has a lot to do in terms of your writing style. And it doesn't matter you are writing a white paper or writing a script. Okay, so let me share with you, give you a specific example in terms of third person and the first person. If you are writing a white paper, the white paper is more authoritative, right? You want to share your company's in terms of position or your company's uh, point of view in terms of future trends or your company's products, right? Mm -hmm. Because of that, you should write the third person the you third should do person. this our view is this right okay. so it's not like oh i want to do this it's just basically you are talking about your product as a matter of fact 
right? And you want people to use it and you want to give people recommendation. So from my perspective, that is probably better to write in a third person, okay? But from time to time, you will say you, blah, 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 blah. You do this, blah, 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 blah. But still like a third person is talking from, you know, a company's point of view, talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. So can you write out the first person? Yes, first person is basically I, blah, 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 blah. We, blah, 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 right? So that's the first yeah. person. If you actually have a very specific personal point of view that you want to get across, like you write a blog post, right? So sometimes the blog post is basically you, the company or the blogger, the writer's point of view in terms of how to do something best, how to do something better some of the analysis we did, right? So that, from my perspective, can be written as a first person. To me, the consistency, you were like, okay, Pam, now you are confusing me. You know, if I want to give somebody a direction, or I want to give the geo and the marketing team a direction in terms of should they write on third person or first person, from my perspective, that is not direction you can give. It really depends on your format. What is the format that you want to write? Does that make sense? So for example, yes. sometimes I write things as a third person because I want to show, I want to show fact. I want to show in terms of, okay, it's a piece of uh, a document. I want to show a thought leadership, okay? But from time to time, when I do my podcast, especially, the podcast, I am writing as a first person. Hey, welcome to another episode of a Pam uh, B2B marketing and more. Somebody asked me a specific questions. I answer it this way. That's mm -hmm. basically, I want to build a rapport with my audience and with my listener. So I talk about it as a first person. At the video, when I created the video, again, it depending on the, the content of the video that you want to create. That has a lot to do with, in terms of, it should that be a third person or the first person? If you are share a personal opinion, of course, that would be a first person. But if you want to be a, a little bit of thought leader, right, you want to talk about company, then that's as a third person. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? I hope it is. Let me know. Oh, yeah. yeah, very helpful. Very helpful. You know what, what, what I was thinking about since we're talking about global marketing? If there is any culture or region where those rules don't apply, right? There's something like very weird, like you can never talk about first person in a random country in the world. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know many cultures and countries, but if your contact at the geo level and the country level are telling you they have to write in a certain way, you know, find out why. Find wow. out why they have to do that. Maybe you are right. There are some, you know, um, uh, uh, cultural differences they have to take into account. You know, so, but... Yeah. But, you know, we are not Yoda. We have to see like third person. <laughs> Content it is. Content. Yes. Yeah, right. Now, another question, and that's one that's inevitable in any webinar during those times, that what's a good approach for content marketing during COVID-19? Right? Okay, great so We always get this one. It's, <laughs> it's interesting to see everyone's point of view on that. And it's always helpful. Yeah, so from my perspective, you know, you can pretty much say that COVID-19 changed everybody. I think uh, the most important thing is change how we behave, right? In the past, I would go to the office, everything is a face-to-face -face communication. Now everything is very much online, 
you have to do a lot of stuff online. So it actually, it make, um, it actually makes salespeople's job a whole lot more difficult, right? A lot of people sales want to call somebody, they want to meet somebody, they want to show them something. It's all about meeting, face-to-face -face meeting. So this whole thing actually creates a lot of challenge on the sales side, to be honest with you. And on the marketing side, you also create a lot of challenges as well. All of a sudden, I think the biggest challenge is the messaging. You know, the social media still works. Email still works. You still need to create content. Events, you probably have to do physical events to online events, right? So a lot of marketing channels stays the same, but you dial up the online elements. So you dial up digital marketing elements part of it. Okay. But the one thing is change is the messaging and also talking point. What can you say? What do you want to say as part of your content? So for example, if I'm, I'm just using lipsticks, I was reading a Wall Street Journal yesterday, was talking about makeup, right? Mm -hmm. Now, all the girls, you gotta yeah. listen to me. I'm talking about makeup. <laughs> all right, if you have to wear a mask, <laughs> right? If you have to wear a mask right now, let's assume we all wear lipsticks, all right? Pasencia, just follow with me. <laughs> we all wear lipstick. I know you don't. I, but now you have to wear a mask and you wear lipsticks. This lipstick was smeared into your mask. And that's not good. So in the past, if you sell lipsticks, you were talking about the bright color of the, the bright color of your lipsticks. You make it pop, right? So that's your talking point. That's the content you're gonna to create to show people how you're gonna do a lipstick, how to make the color pop. But now everybody's wearing mask, right? You, the color, the, the messaging or the talking point, you're talking about the bright color, it doesn't matter anymore. Now you have to find a different way to sell your lipsticks. So what is your talking point? Your talking point might be now you are developing a product and the lipstick will not smear into your mask. You still create content, but what you said needs to be different. That is the challenge for COVID-19. You need to change your messaging first before you can even create content. That's why every content marketer is struggling. It's not struggling in terms of what content they need to create. It's what to say. Exactly. Yeah. So yes. for example, same thing, right? So for the makeup empire, now they don't focus on lipsticks anymore. They might focus on eyeliner. How do you make your eye pop a whole lot more with the mask? Again, different talking point. That different talking point will generate different content for you to say. Then your editorial needs to change. Mm -hmm. That applies to also on the B2B side, right? Your products for longest time is actually for, um, for physical events. Now everybody's doing online events. What are you going to say about your product that's different? Right? So that part needs to fix before <laughs> we get the editorial plans. That's where everybody is struggling at this point. It's the talking point needs to be different, but that takes time to change. And a lot of time, the product needs to change first before mm -hmm. you can change. Yeah. Uh, Rand Fishkin from SparkToto wrote a very nice blog post. It's called like, Greet the Room. That's basically when you go into a room, say, where are people paying attention to? And then, then you choose what you're talking, right? You have, if everyone is sad, if, 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 you're, if you're a funeral, 
or if you're a party, you right. get there and say, hey, it's not that what I have to say is not interesting. That's a joke, right? In that situation, exactly. you don't tell jokes. Joke is not working, right? You exactly. Yeah, you're still gonna gonna tell what you have to tell. It's not that it's not no longer interesting, but you gotta read the room and say, "Hey, okay, that's not the moment for jokes, or that's now I can make jokes and 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 so on, so on, so on." So, I really like it. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions. We touched that a little quick on the surface, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it anyway. So, okay. should we create content at companies' headquarters and then? distribute it, localize it, or can we allow the creation of local content by each different, I don't know, office or a different country? That, that's the question. Great question. So before I answer that question specifically, you know, the, the, the one things I want to make sure everybody needs to consider is products. So is your product homogeneous or your product heterogeneous? When I say is the product, did you sell the same product to the US? to Canada, to Brazil, and yeah, right? If the product is very similar that you are selling, chances are, I'm not saying you have to, chances are the headquarter needs to take the ownership of creating content because the products are very similar, right? Why don't just the headquarter create the content and the local will take the content, customize it and localize it. Mm -hmm. But if your products are very different, for example, shampoo, even Pantene, for example, I'm touching my hair. Yeah, but are they different from country to the country? Pantene. They probably have a different packaging, they ah, have okay. a different name, they have yeah. a different way of selling that product, you know, in the US, in Brazil, and also in Canada. If the products are very, very different, the packaging are very, very different, the features that you dial up are very, very different, then from my perspective, it's local that needs to take the full ownership of the content creation. Mm -hmm. But the headquarter will provide the guidance, the guidance, the creative guidance to make sure that you are on brand. Does that make sense? So yes. my take on this is the first question you should ask yourself is products. Are we selling the same product? Okay. Even you selling the same products, maybe the product usage, like, you know, the people in, for example, Zoom. Zoom is very homogeneous. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're in Brazil, you're in the US, you're in Canada, in Japan, we use the Zoom the same way, right? So from that perspective, the content probably is better that headquarter created and you distribute it down to the, the country level because that's more efficient. But maybe people in Japan, maybe people in Brazil, they use Zoom a little bit differently. Yeah. There's a different features. They use a whole lot more than say Americans. Well, then if that's the case, then the local needs to understand what are some of those features that being used by their, by their audience, then they dial up that whole lot more than you know, the other features that's mentioned in the US. Does that make sense? But again, it's you, that's customization. Mm -hmm. So I would ask yourself, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would ask myself, <laughs> and you should ask yourself, but in terms of, you know, is your product homogeneous? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a really, really good one. Okay. Change, the, change the subject a little, because okay. we're, yeah, right? We're talking about marketing, content marketing, global marketing, but your second book is about sales enablement. 
Yes, I decided right? my second book is about sales enablement. So the first book is global content marketing. The second book is effective sales enablement. Yeah, and why did you decide to go, you know what, let's go to the sales enablement part of it. And how does that connect with your previous book? You know, great question. So, you know, if you look at just the title itself, it looks like they are not necessarily the same. One is really about global content marketing. The other one is about effective sales, sales enablement and they are very, very different, but they are also very, very similar. Okay. So, um, I want to show you very quickly in terms of a couple slides. Can you bear with me for a second to sure. answer that question? But yes. before I do that, you know, and again, I'm talking on the B2B side, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not very focused on the B2C. B2C is a lot more transactional and the purchase cycle is shorter. On the B2B side, the purchase cycle is much longer, right? A lot of time, if you want uh, somebody to actually buy a specific product on the business applications, it takes longer for the team, for the company to make the decision. So the purchase cycle is longer. And a lot of time on the B2B side, especially products tend to be a whole lot more complicated. Or like, you know, if you sell like a trailer or uh, a tractor, for example, the product mm -hmm. is complicated. You need to teach them how to use it. Even for Zoom, as easy as Zoom, there's still a ramping time, right? People need to learn how to use Zoom. So if you on the sales side, you want to educate your customer about your products, what do you need? You need content. Right. You need to show them how to use it what to use it, when to use it, or even why they have to buy it, right? Before the salespeople can talk. <laughs> it's best if you can talk, you also complement your talking with a piece of content, right? So now content also applies on sales side. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm, I'm not talking about content marketing, but what I'm talking about how you can use content to enable your sales. Ah, so okay. Connection right now. So mm -hmm. it's really about content on the sales side. That's why a portion of the book is really about that. And what I want to show you very quickly is in terms of what I did, um, how to show that communication. And bear with me for a second. Can you see it? Not yet. Oh, I'm not, not yet. Sure screen duh One what, what, are, what, what are you sharing uh i'm not sharing my screen i'm gonna share my screen okay. you're trying to share your screen right yeah One. Uh, yes okay now you can see the customer centric journey yep is that it yep okay so can you see it now yes perfect okay so you know for all the marketers who are listening or watching at this time, customer journey is not necessarily something new to you. You're all aware of it, right? So on the, especially on the B2B side, you become aware of your problem. You spend a lot of content, especially content that's being created. It's all on the education side. You're educating your customer and they will buy, hopefully you educate it to the point that they recognize how good your products are. They make a selection. They actually, you can do cross sales and up sales. If you think about it, this is a framework. You can identify the top of the content that you created 
right, for different stages. You probably create content for education, you create content for people making, help them to make selection, you do content for cross sales and up sales, right? Now let's set that aside. On sales side, I don't know if there are a lot of salespeople um, are listening, but in general, they follow a very typical sales stages, right? They contact somebody, they qualify them, they do what the product can do, and they submit the proposal. Hopefully they can close it, right? And do cross and sales and up sales, right? But how do we map, say, the customer journey uh, to the sales journey? Yes, you can do that. So if you think about it, the people who actually come to the sales site that get in touch with sales, the people who actually come, a lot of the time, they're already, already in the education stage, right? They do a lot of Google search, they talk to different people, and they say, okay, yeah, I like raw content, let me check them out, let me contact the salesperson. So by the time they contact you, they are very much on the sales stage, on the education stage. So you can map the sales stages to the customer journey like this, right? Then you take your content that you identify right there. Voila! Now you can map <laughs> it to a sales stages. Does that make sense? So if you think about it, the sales and the marketing, there are a lot of stuff of the content that's created on the marketing side. But if you are working very closely with your sales team, you can share with them in terms of some of the content that you created. And I'm not saying right here is one-on-one to one mapping exactly. You have to make a judgment call in terms of what applies to what, uh, what content applies to what sales stages. But that gives everybody a quick idea in terms of how the content plays a role between sales and marketing. Therefore, when I wrote that book, if you will, um, it was not necessarily like a completely different topic. Mm -hmm. It's very similar, but accountant marketing is an extension of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean for me, I consider all of it content marketing. Yes. Right, yes. If, you're, if, if you're delivering, creating a piece of content for any stage of the buyer journey, yeah. it's, it's content marketing because you're yeah. educating, even but if you're, and they bring this probably in. don't see it that way. So you have to make sure you have to uh, translate or you have to say a little bit differently to make sure that the salespeople understand. And, and you cannot just say, I created a white paper. You pass that to a salespeople, expect them to <laughs> use it. They are not going to use it. You have to map into their sales stages and tell them where they should use it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they won't. So exactly. that's where that uh, content marketing can play a critical role in terms of supporting sales, which is that's what uh, I've been really trying to make sure all the marketers understanding that if you want to demonstrate your value add, it's better to stay and close with the sales team. And there's a lot of things that you can help down the sales side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here at Rock, I don't know if because we have content in our DNA, we, we kind of have the opposite problem. The sales reps are all the time Hey, marketing, I need a piece of content. Hey, marketing, yeah. give, give me this piece of content. Something, but you may already have it. Yeah. And a lot of time is mapped in a way that they can understand. Yeah, so great. Okay, we have a few more questions, but people who are listening and watching, it's your last chance to ask your, your questions to Pam Dittner before we move forward, right? Because we still, we only have a 15 minutes left. Okay. And if, 
what a great conversation, Pam. Thanks again. I'm having a great time. So, uh, well, okay, let's talk about trends and marketing history and marketing future because your okay. last book is about AI. It's the modern yeah. AI marketer. Yes. And that's, right, that's kind of a very new topic. I don't think a lot of people are using AI, right? So how, how do you see, right? What, what are your thoughts on the way that content has evolved, right? Yeah. Over the last years or so, for example, at Rock right now, we're helping companies through interactive content, right? It's one of our products and live mm -hmm. blogging because those are formats that make a lot of sense in, in the current world, right? Yeah. So I would like to see like, how do you see this evolution in terms of, of content? And then we go and say, hey, what's the future? What, what AI, what role does AI play? So, so um, I want to talk about AI in the sense that uh, all the marketers can relate, okay? And when people talking about artificial intelligence or AI, um, they are thinking, oh my God, you know, Terminator or they are thinking about a robot that can take over our jobs. And uh, that was maybe in the future, that can be true, but let's talk about in the next several years what artificial intelligence is actually for marketers. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, there, nobody, not I know of, okay, maybe somebody is out there secretly doing this. I don't think anybody is building a marketer robot. Okay, so first of all, there's no robot right here to take over marketer or salesperson's job. Which is okay. good. It, which is good. Which is good. I don't <laughs> think anybody's building a robot, like a marketer robot. So the artificial intelligence at this time is literally the software that embedded into the tools that we use. So let's be very specific about what artificial intelligence means embedding into a tool that we use. So we say, hey, Siri me to find the restaurants okay then the Siri will trying to basically answer your questions that's artificial intelligence behind the scenes and working mm -hmm. if you are drawing and you have ways and you type a very specific address and then the ways can actually find the fastest way for you to get to that destination that's artificial intelligence in the back end working for you. Mm -hmm. This artificial intelligence, if you're using Buffer, you're using Laylee, you use CoSchedule, you use a lot of social media tools, they already have uh, features embedded. Basically say they will tell you, they will say uh, smart scheduling. Basically, well, based on all your scheduling and uh, also they look at some other uh, the trend data, they will identify ideal time for you to schedule your social media, that yeah, is yeah. artificial intelligence in working. There are some features in a certain tools, you upload a piece of content into the social media tool and you say, um, create a copy. There are tools can actually write copy, they can read the content that you uploaded, they can read it, and then the, the, the machine can actually write a piece of a copy for you that you can upload it to social media. That is artificial in working. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So yes. AI is already in a lot of tools that we are using mm -hmm. right now. So, so what I'm trying to say is when you are thinking about using different tools, 
try to understand what are some of the features that has been embedded into the platform that using machine learning, using deep learning to actually make your job easier. So that's what AI is doing, is embedded into a tools that make your job easier. It's kind of like a sales assistance mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, or marketing assistance. Does that make sense? Yes. So that is one part I want to make sure everybody understands. So leveraging some of those AI-based features as a tool that you are using is one step, the first step. The second thing, that's using a third-party tool. But if you have, if your company has tons of content, tons of data, customer data, and also the insights and everything, you want to make sense of it, you can build a, a model. You can build a model, but you have to use a specific tool. You can build a model and have a specific question you want to answer using the, the, the model that you are building and using machine learning algorithm to come up with the answer. So they are, that's another step of using AI to actually help you. So that is a couple of ways I want to share with you in terms of how to leverage AI for marketing. Regarding your second question, interactive content. Yeah. And um, the thing about interactive content is everybody wants to create interactive content because into Interactive counting is wow, it's so good. Oh, I can interactive. Oh, I can, you know, it's more like you bring your audience into your content. And uh, in general, interactive content is a whole lot more costly than you just write a static piece of content, right? So if you are creating interactive content, my biggest advice to you is the first of all, you need to make sure you have a budget in place. <laughs> it's not cheap. Okay. Uh -huh. Second thing is think about where you want to place your content and uh, where you place it, what kind of experience you want to create, right? The destination of the content is very critical. What kind of experience you want to create? Take that into account before you create any interactive content. Because I have found out a lot of people will create interactive content and they create that, but they just upload it to their website. What kind of experience are you trying to drive? Mm -hmm. so moving forward, the customer experience and also the online experience becomes more critical because of COVID-19. We are moving faster. So don't just create the interactive content for the sake of creating the interactive content. Think about the destination experience that you want to have there. And also what are the channels that you want, to, you want to use to drive the traffic to that specific destination? So when you create interactive content, not just thinking about, okay, the technical elements of the interactive content, but the overall destination is also another element you have to take into account. Yeah, so. is that, is what, it's kind of when people, once again, they think that the format is the content, right? So no, it's, it's not. not like, it's what we tell our customers, right? And you're right, it's, it's more expensive than, for example, static content, but, yeah. Of course, we get this objection, but at the same time, generates more brand awareness and helps us with lead qualification. The ROI is usually positive, but we have to tell them, hey, the quiz or the calculator is not a content in itself. It's a means, it's a form. To get to the performance, get to what yeah. you want them to do. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So that's, that's something that's, because our tool is to, like, it's a platform to create interactive content, right? So we have yeah. to deal with that every day. 
Okay, so, well, we only have a few minutes. I have Sorry? one question. It's, yeah, eight minutes to go. I have one, one extra question. Sure. That, about going back about global, global marketing. Yeah. Is if the product sold is not homogeneous, right? So it's heterogeneous. Say that again. Say if, the pro if the product that's sold, right? It's not homogeneous because we're talking about having a homogeneous yeah. product or heterogeneous. That's a complicated word. Yeah. How, how would localization help your content creation? Oh, I mean, if the so the question, let me paraphrase it. Yeah, so the question, if the products are, are not homogeneous, the products are, are different. Actually are, are homogeneous, the same product. So the products are homogeneous. Yes. How does localization help? Yeah, that's, that's the question. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know if I got exactly what the person wants. Okay. I think it's probably so, like the same product. I mean, I, 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 let me try to paraphrase it based on my understanding, right? You okay. sell a single product across multiple countries. Yeah. What are, how do you use localization to improve your sales or efficiency on each country or region? That's my, okay. that's my, that's my understanding. I don't know okay. if, you, if that's actually a great question. So um, if the product is the same and they're using that same product to a different countries and uh, what is, how do you, what is localization, uh, what is localization uh, matter, you know? So I want to talk about like a spectrum, okay? So let's look at absolutely no localization to localization, okay? So I'm just doing this. If the product is homogeneous, you have an option, right? Let's assume you sell to an IT manager and all the IT manager I know, because I work with a lot of them in many different countries, they all read, understand English. So a lot of time, if you sell to IT manager around the world, if all your content is pure English, can you just use the English content with no localization? Yes, you can. And a lot of time I will go to a lot of websites, right? Even though the local, the website has translated to Portuguese, but it's targeted for IT manager. They have a Portuguese website, but a lot of content are English, which is absolutely no localization. Does that work? Yes. That's because the audience reads, understand English very well, and a lot of terms are still in English. So that's okay. That's okay. But let's assume that you sell a product that's exactly the same, okay? But, and you sell to multiple countries and you want to do certain localization on this side, okay? Can you translate? Can you just translate that to a different languages? Yes, you can. If the audience, if the audience don't understand English very well, then translation is necessary, okay? So that's one, right? And uh, again, everything I talk about, have you noticed everything I talk about, I'm talking from audience perspective. Even though your question is about, is the product homogeneous doing, what does the localization play a role? My question to you is, what does your audience want? Mm -hmm. Your audience can read and write English very well. Maybe you can just take it and no localization. 
But if your audience cannot read and write English very well, do you need to do certain translation? Yes, you do. Do you need to do certain localization? Yes, you do. Especially on the features. Okay. So right here, when I'm talking about, like I said earlier, right, you can sell the same products, right? But everybody using the product slightly differently then you have to have localization to show what kind of features that's used most popular in the local market. Then you need to localize that content specifically for that. So when you are talking about localization, I was thinking in addition to product, you also need to think about how much you understand your audience and also what is your audience from their perspective, you know, localization means to them. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, a lot. Look, everything you said made a lot of sense, right? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much for that. Your time is almost, our time is almost over. So Pam, thanks. So can, I, can I just add a couple of things? Sure, yeah. yes, that's, go ahead. So if you actually have any questions about content marketing or sales enablement or even artificial intelligence or anything about MarTech, uh, you can reach out to me at any social media channels. I'm on every single channel. And if you want to ask me specific questions, feel free to join my Facebook community. And uh, the Facebook community is really focused on uh, marketing skills. So the title of the Facebook community is called Build Your Marketing Skills to Get Ahead. So if you are interested, join my Facebook community and uh, ask me any questions. I usually answer the questions in the Facebook community. All right. Okay, awesome. So, Ben, thank you very much. And if you're watching this, thanks for watching us. And don't miss the next one. We have one scheduled. The next gym session is scheduled for September 1st with Joe Pulisi from Content Marketing Institute. I love that's Joe. Gonna, you guys will yeah, have a great time. Yeah, that's going to be good as well. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. I'll wait a little bit. Okay. So we don't say anything like stupid on air because a lot of times we don't know when it's over. I think it's done. <laughs> okay. 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 Is it, good? Rodrigo, yeah. is everything good? Yeah. yeah everything is. Good. Okay, great. So are you guys so happy? Uh, that, that, is there any kind of interruption or anything? No. Okay. It went pretty well, right? Yeah. yeah. It went was perfect really it went pretty well it was entertaining <laughs> <laughs> yeah the content was i love it yeah the content was really good the content was really good i think people will love it uh okay man thank, thanks again you're welcome so uh, they had to uh just it for me if you talk if both of you talking to them send my regards and, uh, okay. you know, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to more of your webinars. Yes, yes. Follow us on social media. <laughs> well done. Well done. We'll let you, you know. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 Bye.